0: Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up? And welcome to Social Jello with Angelo podcast. I'm here today with black belt. You're karate kimbo black belt, right? I think I said this last time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Timothy Bruce. Did I get that right, too? Right. All right, two two out of two, not bad. Good start. Um (laughs) so today we're talking about guns in the dojo. I think that's the title that we decided to go with. Um is martial arts training should martial arts training include firearms training? That that's where I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna should, and if it does, what does that look like? I know for Specifically for your school, you teach kajukembo. You also have like um, other styles and other types of self-defense systems that you integrate, right? Okay. Correct. So um, let's just start with that. Why, (laughs) Why are you integrating firearms training into your martial arts training? We'll start with that.
1: Okay, so one of the first reasons is it's the strongest force multiplier, right? You hear that word a lot thrown around in the gun industry. But if I have an old lady come in that's 62 years old, she cannot dedicate enough time to her hand-to-hand combat. It's easier to teach her basic boxing and wrestling skills and then give her more time on the range. That's going to keep her safer sooner if you look over ability over time of progression. Okay. On top of that, there's only so much that a knee and an elbow and a punch can do. If it's two or three individuals attacking you for whatever reason, you need something to equal out the odds. And that's what the firearm is.
0: And so you mentioned the range. Hmm? How Logistically, how does the firearms training work? because i mean I, I mean obviously you don't have a gun range at, i mean I don't know, maybe you do <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm making some assumptions here i'm assuming that you don't have a gun range at the dojo so Correct. okay we'll start with that all right so, so you're going so how do you, how do you fit that into your schedule like do you take them out to the gun range on a separate day how, how well, logistically what's that look like
1: so i'm partnered up with a local gun range here that's about 15 minutes away from the dojo so what happens is we do a lot of our soft training in or I guess, harder training in the dojo where we use either proxy firearms, either 3D printed firearms, or sometimes even just unloaded, uh, taped up firearms. That way we can actually use this actual heft of our weapons for more of our hands-on wrestling to our weapon or using our grappling to our weapon. But then when it's time to get on the range, we just mainly just pressure test and make sure your point of aim skills are good. And that's another thing too is you're talking about should martial arts, guns be in martial arts, but guns are martial arts. Marshall is warlike right so there's actually there's art to the gun itself that we have to train as well and then cross now with our wrestling and our striking but logistically speaking we usually try to get two or three days out on the range when we can more when, for those that are interested i hook them up with the instructors at the range who just dedicate themselves to firearms instructing and then we do all of our getting to your weapon knowing how to fight to your weapon how to create reactionary gaps to handle situations so you can get to your weapon and that goes for our firearms and our knives and whatever else weapons people use but generally speaking around here we focus on our guns
0: and how did you end up because obviously I mean, so I told people this came up the other day I was doing a live with Hackleman and someone was was like why why do I do? I do carajo in New York and and we're doing a bunch of Filipino martial arts, and it sounds like what you what you're doing is very different from that. Well, why is it so different? And then, <laughs> I couldn't say much because I'm hosting the show, so I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm his, I'm like his producer on the show, so I can't I couldn't jump in. But one right. of the things that I was thinking about was like this comes up a lot, and it's because oh yeah, and for those of you who this is your first episode, Krushikam was a American martial art from Hawaii. Google it. Uh, at the end of this episode, there's a podcast about that. But what that question is weird to me, not weird to me. I think that question is asked a lot by people who are newer in Kajukenbo because they don't realize that that different instructors can branch out to wherever they want to go once they get their black belt. So even if even if they work from a more quote-unquote traditional path of Kajukenbo with the punch tricks and katas and stuff, um, when they get their black belt, they're allowed to branch out into other stuff. So like... Uh, how did you end up branching out into firearms training? Did your instructor have that in his training? Or is that something that you went off and found on your own?
1: So my original Kajikembo instructor was an ex-Marine and oh. part-time. He was a part-time officer as well as sheriff's officer in the area. So yes, he had firearms, but it wasn't something that he even taught us. It was more so something that he just conversated with us about. Mm-hmm. But then as I got older, you know, I, I grew up in uh, Mississippi where firearms are just part of the daily routine and got into learning about firearms firearm safety hell i even had my firearms course and hunting course in school so you know that it was just integrated into your daily life so of course if i'm a lifelong martial artist integrating firearms into your daily life goes a long way and before i moved to mississippi i did i actually grew up in rhode island which was more poverty stricken a lot more gang violence type area so i seen gun violence specifically fairly often so as soon as I was old enough to train on a firearm and train to carry a firearm, I hit the ground running.
0: Okay, so, all right. So you you spent most of your life doing firearms training. So exactly. Then that, that, that's then, wait. So now now my question is, which one came, chicken or the egg? Here, were, were you doing martial arts
1: first? Okay,
0: okay, okay, okay. That, that, that's all, That's all right. All right. So you yeah. kind of came up okay, first. And then, but in in the the background, it seems like throughout your whole life you've been you've been um, handling firearms and going through firearms training courses. How so? When you started teaching, and um, your instructor talked about firearms training, but you actually integrated firearms training into Into your training. um, And I'm guessing you have more. I I have no idea. How how do firearms certifications work I, I that's 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 i guess because I'm,
1: I'm so you have a lot of you got a lot of over branching just like how martial arts has their you know you have a tachykenbo society the same thing for firearms you got a few different ones that offer courses to be a uh, concealed carry instructor or a a, um, a concealed carry instructors instructor or you have guys who are usually ex-military ex-police that teach courses in certain tactics or certain concepts of training like barricade shooting shooting through fi- uh, vehicles and whatnot but most of my training's always been towards the everyman you know more, more often than not we're not going to be needing to shoot through our car window which that doesn't usually work out too well anyway the most of my training most of the training that i offer is you're owning a gun you're going to carry a gun you need to know how to fight before you even do that and then if you're going to have that gun you need to know how to create the space to get it how to properly draw it how to properly wear it and how to accurately shoot it in the stress situation, going over gross motor function, just like a kajikembo would look at it, you can't work on the fine-tuned little things in a fight. You can only rely on your gross motor function. It's the same thing with firearms. So that's how I integrate that into the kajikembo, using the kajikembo philosophies towards martial uh, towards firearms.
0: And so, what's what does your certification say? Like, so what? Because you just mentioned like three or four different types of certifications oh. in that field. What certification do you hold?
1: None. Right. Oh, okay. when, it, when it comes to firearms, like I said, most guys are using ex-military, ex-this, but uh, the way it boils down to is I'm just a paid firearms instructor. You know that It's more of a job description than it is a certification. And kind of like how I view martial arts, too, and how you'll see it in Kata and every martial arts. It's not so much the certificate or the black belt that matters. It's more so the information. So you got guys out here that are teaching firearm stuff that don't know how to fucking hold a gun. And then you got guys who know how the the basics of things. It's like a guy who says he knows how to box and can, can't box, and if you know how to box, you can. It's the same thing, you know. Think of it more like boxing than kajekempo. Whereas the certification is the ability.
0: So, if I understood you correctly, then what you're what you're actually doing then is you're incorporating firearms handling, but then the actual firearms training is when you take them to the gun course so those are the people that are handling the actual sometimes sometimes it's me okay
1: if they're wanting to get if they're wanting to get their concealed carry license they have to go through the instructors just because they have to do a state-ran program otherwise just like you don't need to have a dojo to train someone to fight you don't need a you know a certificate to teach someone how to shoot you know what I mean? There's no there's no one who can tell you how to throw a punch or governs you how to teach a punch. It's the same thing. No one's going to govern. No one governs how you teach someone to shoot firearms. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I know that for Hackelman's program, what he does, he has a what, for him. I forgot if he, if he brings him in or if he takes him or if he takes them there. But he's got a, he actually has a certified uh, firearms instructor that teaches law enforcement. Um, yeah. and he and he that's the first. So he he subcontracts that
1: at his. That, place. That's what the that's what my range partners do. Okay, they, so they yeah. do the same thing. With that so that, that's
0: what but, you're doing. That, so that that's what I'm checking on. So that, that's because anybody
1: who doesn't really go through that for the training, they go through that for the licensing. Okay, the concealed carry license.
0: Okay, and then he has a firearms course that's run by those guys that he yeah. participates in as well.
1: That that's where the difference is. Is where most people like outsource the training itself as well. I usually keep to the training because a lot of the things, one of the big things with me being a martial arts nerd and then a firearms nerd as well is actually seeing where the layover is. So if I'm spending hours a day teaching people how to throw a cross and you know, for us, we roll our shoulders high. It's the same thing when you present your firearm, it's the same mechanic. The same thing with a good proper shooting stance is a proper open boxing stance or a a -a peekaboo style boxing stance. So the way we already box is already the way you should stand when you shoot your gun. So I use a lot of, crossover between the boxing and wrestling and kajikembo i already teach and i translate that to how you need to stand how you need to operate when you're using a firearm
0: have you ever thought about getting the license to be uh, uh, like fire like officially a firearm yeah.
1: instructor yep i'm um, going through that process currently i just recently partnered up with this uh this range about six months ago because they only opened up about eight months ago the issue is, it is just like any other kind of uh, pyramid scheme type thing. Usually, they want a thousand dollars, ten hours to show them that you know the basics, and then they give you a piece of paper that says you can do it. What I'm doing now is, i they are bringing this range is bringing me in as their hand-in-hand instructor for a state-run program, oh. and part of me helping teach this because they need a hand, a hand-in-hand expert for their state. Uh, What's called security officers training. Oh, okay. So to have me coming in on that, they're going to cross-train me on their licensing. Oh, okay. And that's how that's going to operate.
0: Yeah, because anybody anybody watching this is asking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. only, anybody watching this is asking the same thing. It sounds like you're teaching without certification. Now, now that, that brings us into a whole other podcast <laughs> that I don't want to do right now. Like, I know I'm going to go into the whole, like... <laughs> That's a whole. That's a caterwaul, man. If we start going down the path of certifications, I don't. I I want to do a separate podcast about the pluses and minuses of certifications. Because there's there's certification guys, man. You've seen them. They got like and, a million certifications. And like, I got a certification in Krav Maga. I got a and, this and that. And they, like, they post them. Like, if, if you look at their Facebook page, it's like all certs. <laughs> it's
1: just all one cert. Nine times out of 10, that guy can't fight his way out of a wet paper bag. So yeah, that's my thing. Like, like, I'm not big on... I never chase the papers on the wall. I just tra- chase the training so that that's why I don't really follow those paths anyway. You know, I've always chased the training and the knowledge and teaching it correctly rather than trying to go out of my way and spend a couple grand to get a piece of paper that says I did it.
0: Yeah. And again, like, and I guess, I guess we're, we're already going there. We're not going to go there too long, but <laughs> we're already going there. So now that I open the damn can of worms, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta find a way to put the lid back on. Um, so <laughs> but what I, I think there's a balance, there, right? So you're saying like you're trying, you're going through another program to get your cert. I, there's like i think there has to be a balance between i mean you need some sort of certification so that you can show people that you did do that but there is that bs part like you just said where you are paying and where is that certification really coming from right i i only i only hold right now i only hold one certification to teach martial arts under Kaji Kimbo that's it um there are others on the way and to avoid any political problems i'm not going to announce what those are but there exactly. are there are there there are but this is that exactly this is why i'm saying the, the way i'm saying it is there are other styles i train in and one of those styles is um i'm I'm currently in the process of getting an instructor certificate for now going back to guns in the dojo yep, do <laughs> so, so one of the things that um like for me i i'm in japan there's no i can't there's no way there's no way now it did, did come up because one of my students is a police officer uh-huh. so because he's a police officer we had to cover what he would do because one of the biggest things even in japan is usually someone has a knife and the police officer has a gun And they Mm -hmm. have a bunch of rules about when they're allowed to pull out the gun. And I told them very honestly, I told them like very honestly, right off the bat, Hey, I am not a firearms instructor. (laughs) (laughs) That was right. Right off the bat. I think honesty is the best thing. This is kind of of tied to that whole certification thing. Honesty is the best route you can go. So like, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a firearms instructor. Now, if you want to do those kind of drills, I'm also not a combatives instructor. And I told him I'm not a combative instructor. I'm a Kajuk instructor. I can, I can teach you everything that comes within the Kajuk skill sets, but when it comes to firearms or police safety or, you know, weapons handling, I'm not from that. I contacted, uh, some of my friends that are in that. And we did some zoom lessons on, uh, combatives for, for knife handling and stuff. There's, they're certified in that stuff. And, um, and then after we did that, then I said, okay, now we have some official drills that come from people that do firearms training and weapons training in America. Let's go ahead and go over those drills. Now I can do this drill with you. And we did, we did some drills. Um, yep. But I mean, for the most part, he firearms training looks very different for law enforcement than it does a citizen. Um, in Japan, I wouldn't even do it. Like I wouldn't even feel comfortable Oh, uh, right. citizen because of the way the laws work you're not supposed to have a gun end of story so if you're a citizen that's what are you practicing really and that's but for in his case it's like an exception because he's law enforcement how do you manage that do you have do you are you in? you're not in law enforcement i'm never i'm not law
1: okay.
0: so like how do you handle that are any of your students in law enforcement yep okay all right all right so i'm sure this comes up how do they how do they handle when you start talking about your firearms training, are there is there any what kind of input do you get from them in those kind of situations?
1: Uh, the main thing is we all look at the same statistics, you know. Like, and a lot of my course training is based on police because they have the most real world uh, statistics when it comes to grappling, striking with a firearm on you, or someone wrestling for your firearm, or you having to wrestle for your firearm. So a lot of the training we go through is from police data and things i've worked in the police atmosphere and then translating that to a civilian uh mentality so like for them the main thing is there's not actually as much of a disconnect from between the two it's not gunfighting and martial arts it's you are either a martial artist or a martial artist with a gun does that make sense so when they have their when they have their duty belt on we still train the same wrestling we would. It's still underhooks, still overhooks. It's still head control and framing and posture. It's just now they have an extra thing they have to protect while they're doing that. They have a side they have to favor, you know? But otherwise, it's you're still a martial artist. Just like when I teach stick fighting and knife fighting. If you got a weapon in your hand that doesn't nullify your boxing and your wrestling, now you're a boxer and a wrestler with a stick. It's the same thing with the firearms. So a lot of our jujitsu, you know, if we're training with our proxy guns and everything when we're doing our jujitsu... It makes it where certain types of guards, knee guard, and just pulling an open guard is more important because you need to be able to have your appendix open so that you can actually clear your shirt and get to your weapon when you, if you get taken down. Or knowing how to turtle up specifically defensively so that you can hide your gun away so that you can get to it freely without hands involved so you can turn over and get a shot off. So it, it's all the same martial art. There's, there's really not a whole lot of like extra added to it other than pressure testing. And that's the biggest thing. A lot of gun guys don't pressure test. A lot of cops, I think the statistic that I, we always cite is that um 70% of cops have lost their gun on the line of duty, lost their gun in the draw. And the reason is that because they go to draw their firearm and they've gotten attacked or they're already being grappled while they try to draw their gun. Why? Because they don't know how to fight. Most cops, most trained people just don't know how to fight at an applicable level or get pressure tested enough at an applicable level. So what we go over is we put the gear on, we put mouth guards on, we put sparring gear on and we get at it until the timing is right to get to your weapon. You don't want to draw your weapon when a guy's already punching. You, you want to block, you want to fight back, you want to clinch up, you want to create the space, then get to your firearm. So when the cops come in, that's the main thing we do is they have their duty belt on, which is worse because now it's a out in the open firearm that's easy to reach and they have to be more mindful of that otherwise it's the same cross collar ties it's the same posting it's the same clinch work you know bicep controls and knees to create some damage to want your opponent to push you off and then once your opponent pushes you off then you can get to your weapon but otherwise it's the same punches and kicks that we all do
0: then again like yeah so and I, and I don't know if i framed the question as should there be i, I never really framed it as should guns be in the dojo you know we were just talking about how martial arts is part of gu- guns are a part of martial arts training or i i, I guess a really important distinction here is in, in america guns are part of martial arts training. it's a really important oh. distinction to be made here as far as like geographics right because country was was worldwide yeah um and like that's something that I, I i've done a few episodes um with uh some with john hoylo and we went over the legalities just legal aspects of like well in japan in america or if whatever country you're in um how that changes how you train and i remember hearing people from the uk going to the u.s for gun training because they can't even get the gun training in the uk so they go to the u.s for gun training and they go back to the uk so at that point how would you address the idea that it's a power fantasy in other words some people feel that when you start doing a lot of gun training, but it doesn't sound like you're doing that much gun training. You're doing gun training like two or three times a week.
1: Uh, Probably two or three times every other week. Okay. So it's not even like. It's not the main.
0: You're not one of those segment. guys like. Every, <laughs> you're not wearing camo every <laughs> every every, exactly. every day in your classes. <laughs> in fact, I've seen your classes. They look very similar to like an, an, uh, the way an MMA program would work. You got to jitsu, exactly. boxing. So it's like something. It's like a. It's like something that Hackleman talks about. It's extracurricular. It's like one more thing in your program that a student can go out and do that happens every so once in a while to cover this exactly. this niche, this niche, this niche uh, issue, and especially in the U.S. Because guns, like it or not, there, there are people <laughs> with guns. There are people with guns in the U.S. It's just whether you agree that and I don't want to get into the political side of this, but whether you you agree that people should or shouldn't, the fact is they yep. do. So it is something that, especially if you're in the U S you should be aware of, um, where was I going with that? I was going somewhere with that. Oh, so, so yeah, that, so again, how do you address those people that, that say that, especially online, like you're doing gun training. That's just a power fantasy. Um, because that's never going to happen. Um, Kempo sucks. That's a, that, those people usually say that kind of stuff too. Well, yeah. how do you how, how do you how do you how do you address
1: some of that? So funny enough, there's there's those trolls on both ends of the the spectrum and they get at me both. So you got the guy who's I carry a gun, I don't need to learn how to fight, I can punch him mo- or I can shoot a guy. That's the guy that usually gets beat up and his gun taken, or he fails to draw his weapon properly because he never pressure trained. Okay. And then you got the reverse side of the spectrum, you got a martial artist who's like, you know, I don't need a gun, I can fight then he gets jumped by three people or he gets shot or someone else pulls a knife on him. And then he's, his Kajigemba goes out the window and the other guy got a knife. So what I like, how I like to address it is the fact that you should be crossed. If you're training for self-defense specifically, if you're training for the art, you don't need guns in your art unless you want to do Hojutsu or something like that, or do some sort of gun kata. But otherwise, if you're training for self-defense in America, where guns are prominent, Stabbings are prominent and their CDC said there's about a million defensive gun uses last year or over the last few years. It is common. It's common enough. It's just as common as getting attacked with a baseball bat or someone punching you or starting a fight and you needing Kajukembo. Just as likely as you are to use need your Kajikembo, you're just as likely to need a firearm or at least something. And again, going back to like the 62-year-old ladies that don't have the time of day or the hips to train Kajikambo all the time or train their body to be into a point where they could fight off an 18-year-old thug they need the ability to even the playing field and that's what the firearm at least brings to them so it's one of those things where they i give them a little bit more, less focus on their boxing wrestling skills and make sure they have better firearms fundamentals you know so that's one of the things where it's also it's based per person what do you need but and that that's my big thing is like i got like my bro, my older brother is a firearms guy and firing instructor and he's He'll sit there and argue with you that it's better to be on the range in the dojo. Every minute in the dojo is a minute. You're not getting better at the gun range or getting better with your weapon, but I'm the guy that tries to meet him halfway. And yeah, that gun is great. That gun is going to nullify the threat. But if you get knocked the fuck out before you get to draw your gun, or you get taken down and sat on before you get Uh to get to that gun, you have no skills to get out of that situation. You're fucked either way. So I really try to find the middle ground. I'm probably more leaning towards the martial arts because outside of just Defensive uses of a firearm, using martial arts for other reasons, such as fitness, such as uh, keeping people safe, safely de-escalating situations. You get a lot of that from the martial arts that you don't get on the range. So,
0: so. we're almost close to to the time that we said we'd we'd wrap up in. I think we started a little later, but um, yeah, I think we're at. got we got, I don't
1: we know. got a, while, a while. I got okay. to a uh, time. I got about thirty forty minutes.
0: Okay, well either way, I try I try to keep it within I try to keep this within 30 minutes, or whatever. But um so how old are you? If you don't mind 28. You're 20 you're 28? Mm-hmm. Oh you're, <laughs> you're a young man. Yep. Right. You're 28. So at 28, um how many and again. I'm not trying to be an asshole here. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just going to, I'm trying to address questions that, that do come up that some yep. of them might even be typing later on YouTube. How many, uh, altercations between the time, you know, you're 28 in, in your life have involved what? a knife or a gun for you
1: personally? Uh, I've had two gun issues in my life and then two knife issues. One of the knife issues occurred when I was really young, when I was about 13 in Rhode Island, and it was, there was a school fight occurring, and two guys were about to fight. One kid pulled the knife, and we tried to stop the kid with the knife, and we just disarmed him and then got that little dinky pocket knife out of the situation. Uh, I've had people pull guns on me and my brother before. I've had people pull guns at bars before, so... Those situations have came up. Now, I've never been in any kind of deadly shooting. I've never had to shoot anyone. I've had to draw a firearm once or twice, and that's usually from being in a situation where someone was where they weren't supposed to be and had a weapon on them or, you know, situations like that. I'd say i probably use my martial arts a hell of a lot more. I've, de- I've had a more hand-to-hand combat uses of martial arts than I have ever needed firearms. And But it, going back to that power fantasy, it's more so a safety fantasy you feel safer having a firearm you feel safer knowing that if someone else has something bad that you have something good you know better than need needed not have than you know but not and then so uh,
0: the the some of the the knife altercations when you're a kid the gun altercations were those the alleged because <laughs> I we have yeah it's uh, yeah, it on the internet the alleged gun altercations that was as an adult
1: or as a kid like no i was probably fourteen, fifteen when that happened. One did of those just happened. I, I, I can, I can remember know. specifically two altercations. We had a lot of drive-bys when I was a kid growing up in Rhode Island. So guns just going off and get, windows getting shot out. Fairly common, walking to school. And then I had at least one that I can think of when I was an adult, 15. But uh, different lifestyles. But fellow angry at my brother, shows up drunk, pulls gun, pointing gun at the house. My brother runs out. Brother has a firearm trying to de-escalate the situation. Those situations have occurred for me. And that is because those situations occurred and having people kick in doors when I was a kid in Rhode Island and drive-bys happening and people just randomly shooting other people. That's the reason why I carry, even now living in an extremely safe environment where I live now currently, it's still, I'd rather know that I have the ability to keep others safe by having that than not, especially with the escalation of (sighs) bad people coming into the world put it simply without getting political
0: and so it's safe to say that that stuff happened before you were 18 oh yeah okay so like here's some more statistics that are interesting and and people can take this for what they want um most men in the u.s this is something that came across in my uh, criminology courses because so my major yes i have a master's in psychology but as an undergraduate um i had a degree in social science so i had to study psychology and sociology and then a lot of people i know sociology has like a really bad rap right now politically because of all the shit that happened but cops have to study sociology and criminology to get their to move into higher ranks in law enforcement so like if, if someone wants to become a criminologist and move their way up in law enforcement and become a detective and that kind of stuff um One way to do that for them is to become criminologists, and they end up studying sociology. They end up in those same courses, learning about fucking crazy shit like Karl Marx, right? (laughs) Oh, bunch of socialists. Well, they learn all these concepts so that they know what they're dealing with in the world, right? So, like, and so because of that, I ended up taking criminology courses too because it was under that same umbrella. And in the criminology courses, they talked about how most men specifically genderized here in men in the U S experience the most, uh, the most amounts of violence up until they're about the age of 25, um, across the board, even if you are in a safe environment, uh, as a, as a young man in the U S there's a high chance that you're going to experience a lot of violence and altercations with law enforcement (laughs) on top of that, because your violence is going to spill out. And were and then they, and they also psychologists talked about this as well because it has to do with the development of your prefrontal cortex. Uh, English, your brain, <laughs> the front part of your brain controls reasoning. It's still developing. For some reason, they're still trying to figure out why it tends to develop a, a little slower for us guys.
1: It
0: <laughs> <Yeah, they tend laughs> does for girl. girls. It does for girls. I can see this in my daughter. <laughs> it's just so like, but yeah. And this is not to bash guys or anything. It's just, it's just, it's just statistically it's not everyone. Around. So some guys, not, this is not like a, Oh, all the guys are just a bunch of brutes. No, not, uh, not, not the majority, but just on average, we develop a little slower there. So because of that, we tend to make more rash decisions. <laughs> we don't reason things to, we are more, a little more apt to use violence, um, right. solve problems that probably didn't require violence. Um, so this, you kind of put these statistics together with what what you just mentioned, right? A lot of violence ends up occurring in men's lives, on average, in the U.S. under the ages of 25. And then I'll, I'll couple that with uh, the psycho- the psychology, the psychological concept of trauma, right? So what's that do to you? So how does that change you as a guy? So a lot yeah. of people they they see, they see people like me and they say well, it's kind of overkill. Right? Kajri Campbell is overkill. I've heard that a lot. I also came from a dangerous neighborhood and I started analyzing. And I'm like, well, when I really think about this, I asked myself I, the same questions. I just asked you, how many violent encounters did I encounter after 18? Um, there were a few more. There was one where a gang member was walking in front of my front yard. Someone was lurking. I didn't know who it was. Yeah. And I was, I was married. So I was probably like 22 at that point. I was still under 25. So (laughs) so I was like, I was like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, my dad passed away. Oh, I was like 26. I was like 26, 26, 25, still on that cusp of 25. And this, I heard a guy lurking in my front yard and I'm like, ah, shit, there's a guy, there's a guy lurking in the front yard. So I turned on the lights on him. And as he was like, he was like, he was kind of near my front door. So I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. I don't know if this guy's, I don't know what this guy's doing, right? But I, because I, my, I have like a gate, and I hear him right there. So I opened the door, and um, what I have, I think I had a set of nunchucks on me because I just grabbed whatever was near, whatever was near the door. I have, I, had, I had a, I have a, I have like blades, and yeah, in the US, in allegedly in the U.S., <laughs> I had weapons scattered around my house. And um, so I think I had a pair of nunchucks right. and I, and I came out, I came out and I, and I had, a, and I asked him what's going on. And he, he, he reached into his side. He was like getting ready to draw and just stop right there. And we deescalated the situation. It turns out he was hiding. Biggest thing that happened in my neighborhood, usually a gang member hiding from a gang. Like he's from a rival gang and he's, my yard is a little dark. He's using my yard to hide. Yeah. so like the de-escalation process always involved me telling him I don't want problems he doesn't want problems I'm gonna turn off the lights so you can keep hiding but you gotta get the fuck out of here or or there's gonna be more problems so like that was usually the kind of stuff that I would end up with when I was younger of course once I moved out of that neighborhood that didn't happen anymore um the jumpings all most of the violence happened for us but what's that do to you as you get older I'm 40 now I'm living in Japan there's really no reason to hold on to these things, but they make an imprint on the rest of your life so so i think a lot of the people that jump online and they're like you know they'll they'll criticize it i don't can't speak to that maybe you didn't live that kind of life hackleman gets really pissed off it's like what kind of privileged life did you live where you didn't have to worry about violence like
1: if you i i I share a lot I (laughs) i don't get i don't get pissed off so much as like i try really hard especially in like an area like this to get these kids to understand that you didn't grow up in a place with violence, but it does exist. And I just want you to be ready for it. You know, really, I I really try hard to make sure that they empathize with the fact that violence is going to be out there and they may go their entire lives without it, but I'd rather that people be ready. And that's my big thing. I'm a, I'm a martial artist, but I'm a coach. I'm an instructor. I'm a sensei. I care about the students I train. That's one of the reasons why my combatives isn't kata based or board breaking based. It's, sparring it's boxing it's proven techniques and things that i know that work and things i know other people know that work because i want people to be safe because i had my ass kicked when i was a kid doing Kempo. i you know i i went down those paths of someone else had a gun and i didn't and now i just make it my goal to make sure that people i train are safe and how i know they're safe is because i know they're learning proper fighting techniques combative techniques martial arts and that for little old ladies and women who are smaller than I am, that need to be able to defend themselves against a much larger man, they need to have their martial art and a weapon, especially if they're going places where they might need it.
0: And again, I I just look at the training. So, and again, I don't, I don't, I'm in Japan. I don't even know gun. (laughs) Again, I I told told my wife this, Like you know, we're in Japan. If I was in the US, I probably, I told her, you know, I probably would in the US. So like, but here's the deal. When I look at that kind of training, and the criticism that a lot of people online, especially like the online community, people, people that maybe watch the show, there's like a huge sport. And this is not, again, I'm not criticizing. I and mean, you do the same thing. Your, your guys train and I've seen your guys train and it's, you know, you, you told me, you know, you you do, you are open to sport. You've done, you've done jujitsu. You do tournaments and jujitsu and MMA. Yep. And, and it's not like you're. It, it, people always are very one sided like oh cuz you do mma therefore you don't do self defense or if you do combatives it's you, and, and and it's because there are people on those extremes that only do combatives and no sport right or only do sport and no combatives it's kind of in a balanced viewpoint i just like to see it as insurance it's just insurance exactly. you have homeowners insurance if you have a if you have a house you have homeowners insurance you're probably that. never going to use it. And in fact, if you look at the clauses in the homeowner's insurance, it doesn't cover shit. Like, it, it really doesn't. I have homeowner's insurance for my for my house in California. And it's like, oh, if there's a fire, which, by the way, fires are the biggest problem in fucking California. Yeah. We're not going to cover your house.
1: For the one The, major,
0: the, major <laughs> the one thing. For the major threat. But it doesn't mean I don't pay my homeowner's insurance. Like, I'm still going to pay because I don't know, like it does cover certain stuff, like a tree falls or whatever stuff that I don't think would ever happen. But I'm not going to just. A, it's all it. about
1: uncertainty. It's all about yeah. uncertainty and preparation. Proper yeah. preparation this for performance.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think, and I think that's that's what I'm trying to get at for this conversation. Like people that criticize it, saying, "Oh, well, you'll never fucking need it. It's power fantasy." Maybe. Maybe, maybe, Maybe. and if it is great, good for you. You're living a great life, you must have a nice neighborhood you live in. Never have have to worry about that. That's nice, nice. Congratulations on living a a nice life. Um, but you can't argue that it's gonna hurt. I mean, it's it's like insurance, it doesn't hurt to have.
1: I can argue that though. There's too many people. There's also the other side of the spectrum. There's too many people who have no fucking training with a firearm and pick one up and put it in their purse or put it on their hip and have no clue what the danger they're carrying around is. They're actually putting more people in danger carrying that because they don't get training. It, the gun itself is not the, the, the solution. The solution is training, whether it be martial or firearms or however you want to splice or dice it, train, 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 train. You're going to carry a gun, train. You think you're going to get in fights, train. You're going to go bounce, train. You're going to be a cop, train. So the I just, like you said, it's an insurance policy, but it's an insurance policy that needs to be backed up too.
0: And training, right? I think you made a very important, a very important distinction, even then the whole political realm. If you look at the political debate on this, one of the things they're always saying is more training. That's there. Yep. And that's, that's, that's baked into that political debate. I'm not even going to say which side is saying it but one of the things that's in there and we're all agree here at yeah, training as a martial arts instructor i say they say fucking train like
1: <laughs> get on the mat it's, it's
0: on, a it's a, real, there's, a real, the- there's a real there's a real simple thing whenever i see someone like they see me doing a youtube channel so they start commenting i don't comment very much because i'm busy fucking training like <laughs> not, if you follow my facebook page you'll notice that it's all training that's the one thing you can possibly do to make things better is train that's just it's gonna help and it's like you said, in your case, when we're talking about firearms, yeah, there is that, there is a no training element that can happen there, and like you said, it'll make it even worse. So training, training is your insurance policy. I think that's that's what. So when it comes when it comes to firearms training, training, highlighted training, is your insurance policy, and that's right. why guns in the dojo maybe something that you want to consider i'm going to turn that into a youtube short there you go (laughs) it's going to have those flashy lights little pop-up letters anything you want to say before we wrap up brother
1: i think we hit every major mark all
0: right mark ha ha i saw what you did there all right all right well thank you very much for coming out uh, for my viewers i try to release one of these a month that's what i used to say lately it's been like one a week because i'm just so behind in production that i just keep pumping them out don't expect that though please because one day <laughs> i would like to get back to one a month these do take a lot of work <laughs> so um tim is there where, where can they find you tim where, where 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 can people find you
1: cult combatives in mount home arkansas and we're on facebook at cult combatives
0: all right so Cult combatives if you want to learn more Catch you all next time.